Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? 
Good. It's good to see everyone here. Been praying for this weekend and in the services today that as we all come here together as God's kids, that we just grow and we learn and we're able to worship as freely as possible. Isn't that amazing what that song was saying? The old is gone, the new has come, and because of grace, we can stand as God's children redeemed, freely worshiping. So it's good to see everyone. I want to thank our online audience for tuning in. Uh, we love you guys and miss you guys as well. And uh, things, things will get back to normal. But in the meantime, we're just going to ride it through. Amen? Amen. All right, we invite you all to stand back up, and we're going to pray and ask God's blessings on the services today. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us together, God. Uh, we're so thankful for the cross and, and what you did for us there, God, and the, the ability to be able to have new life in you. So, Lord, at today, as, as the word is preached and as we continue to worship God, touch our hearts, change us for the better, make us into the people that you want us to be. We love you and we lift you up. I'm so thankful for all that you've done in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
26 in verse 10, it says to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I think that is so hard for most of us just to take the time and be still and let God move and speak to us. We live in such a turbulent and tumultuous times and things just operate at a frenetic and a frenzied pace. And I feel like I'm not alone where every single day I have a list of things and I'm boom, 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 trying to check, check my boxes, you know, and get all the things done that I, I need to get done for that particular day. And at the end of the day, have I, have I taken time to just be still? It's so hard. It's so hard. But the scripture tells us, be still. And for the very reason, just to know that he is God. There's unrest all around us, but he is God. And he is in control. So this morning, during this time right here, I'd like to ask you just to be intentional. And just be still. Just be still in front of him. And let God speak to you. Maybe this is the first time all week you've actually taken the time just to hear his voice. God meets us right where we are. God knows exactly what you need today. Just be still and know.
Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, each one of us today, would we just draw a circle around our lives and we would say, what's in this circle we give to you, all of it. We hold nothing back. There's no words that can compress and can say what I want to say to make my feelings known to you. But you know my heart. And you know the hearts of all of those that are here and all of those that are listening. Lord, we just want to give you the praise that you deserve. We want to give you the honor that you deserve. We want to give you everything. And we just want to say thank you for loving us, for giving us breath, for giving us salvation, for giving us everything we have. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. In your name we pray. to see you. Thankful for those who are in person, and uh, we welcome those who are watching online. God bless you as well. Well, normally in uh, a given year, this Sunday in July, many of our pastoral staff would be gone to the National Association of Free Will Baptist Convention. Uh, this year, it was supposed to convene in Oklahoma City, but because of COVID-19, they're not having it there. Uh, there's going to be a, an amended meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, beginning tomorrow. Our executive committee is going to meet and conduct the business, and all of that is going to be online. If you would like to uh, sit and watch it, you can. Uh, they did pre-record some of the services, especially all the youth services. Brother Johnny always has a kids' church at the national meeting, so uh, hundreds of kids from all over the country and our denomination get to hear Brother Johnny uh, and uh, him and little Billy do their thing. Uh, but they pre-recorded a kids' service, and it is online right now at Vertical 3. So if you get on your computer, go to Vertical 3 and uh, click on the kids' service, you'll see uh, Brother Johnny and, and little Billy. And they recorded the session, Kids Under Construction, out on our construction site. So uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, so log in and, and watch that, and I know you're going to be blessed. Glad you're here this morning. I've been preaching on uh, the Holy Spirit, a series called The Spirit Way. And I've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for six weeks. This is week number seven. So let's move to 1 Corinthians 13, all right? Uh, I'd like to read the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and then talk to you about the way of love. Here's what Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And then verse 3, and though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that as I attempt to speak this on the outside, you would speak it into our hearts. Show us, dear Lord, the way of love and help us to follow your example of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Got a question for you this morning. How many of you know the exact tire pressure that is in the left rear tire of the vehicle that you drove to church this morning? Okay, a few of you do because you have, you have sensors on your cars now that tell you if your tire pressure is low, right? But other than that, you would have no idea how much pressure is in your left rear tire. I mean, you can look at the thing and kick it and think, hey, it's okay, but it may not be okay. However, they make a little gauge, a tire pressure gauge, and if you'll put that on the valve stem of your tire and press it in, it will show you the exact amount of pressure you have in your tire. What a neat little contraption, tire gauge. I don't know what you're having for lunch, but if you're planning on cooking steaks out on the grill for lunch today, Miss Angie and I are available. We wouldn't mind coming over and sharing with you. But have you ever been cooking a steak on the grill and just wonder to yourself, I wonder the condition of this steak on the inside. I wonder if it's rare or medium or medium well or, or well done. And you, and you don't want to cut the steak open because if you do, you're going to lose all the good juices out of it. Did you know they make a little gauge? It's a, a meat thermometer. And even though I've never used one, I've seen one in use before. And you just stick that into your steak, and it will tell you the temperature on the inside of your steak and how well done it is, all right? It's a neat little contraption. Have you ever been driving down the road and, and just wonder, you know what, I really wonder exactly how much gas is in my gas tank under the trunk of my car that I can't see right now? Well, you really don't think that because all you have to do is look on your dash. And what do you have? A gas gauge. And if you're driving anything other than a 1960 pickup truck, your gauge might work. Right? And you can just look at that gauge and know exactly how much fuel is in the tank that you can't see. But you know, when it comes to our human heart and what's in our heart, particularly in our relationship with God and our love for God, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what is in the human heart. How full of God's love are we? How much do we love God? But did you know that the Bible gives us a gauge that can tell us what our love-o-meter for God really is. It's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Here's what John said. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does, does not love remains in death. So here's the gauge. If you want to know if you have passed from spiritual death into spiritual life, the gauge is do you have love for other Christians? Is your heart filled with the love of God? Do you have love in your life? And so out of the heart of the Apostle Paul and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God comes what many consider to be the most beautifully profound description of love found in all the literature of all of the world. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And we have tagged 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, uh, haven't we? That's what it's known for. It's the love chapter. So on three, say love chapter with me. One, two, three. Love chapter, it's 1 Corinthians 13. But you know, Paul's teaching on love inspired not by this gooey, goofy love relationship was actually inspired over a broken heart over how unloving the people of God in Corinth really were. It is sandwiched between chapters 12 and 14, which are key chapters in the Bible talking about spiritual gifts and the church is full of people who each have spiritual gifts and how out of the diversity of those gifts we are to be using them for the unity of the body of Christ. And he's telling us that here is a church in Corinth that is literally eaten up with division and fighting and feuding and conflict. Why? It's over their spiritual gifts. They're not getting along. They're not having unity in the body of Christ because they're bickering over spiritual gifts. Paul is saying, hey man, you don't get it. You don't understand what these spiritual gifts are for. They're not for, for, di they're not for, for fighting and bickering. They're for unity. They are for the love of God. We've been talking about the spirit way, life in the spirit of God. God giving us the life that we've always wanted and the power that we've always needed. And we're going to see today that the spirit way really is the way of love. So here's what I want to try to do just in a few minutes. I want us to take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 off of the beautiful placard that we see it on at the Christian bookstore. I want you to take 1 Corinthians 13 off of the bookmark that you have in your Bible. Let's take it off of the, the altar in the wedding ceremony. What I would like to do today is help you to bring it out of the sentimental and put it into the practical everyday life because this is where this chapter belongs. In the sometimes messy and unloving activity of people who are supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ, who are supposed to know what love really is. Today and next Sunday, I want us to dig deep into this chapter and see if we can't find out the answer as to why there is so little love in our world today. Think about that. Why is there so little love in marriages today? Why is there so little love in homes and families today? Why is there so little love in the church of Jesus Christ today? Of all the places we should manifest and flesh out the love of God, it should be in our marriages, it should be in our homes, and it should be in the church. This morning, I want to, to show you the priority of love. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we've just finished, Paul wrote the church about appreciating the diversity that, that God has designed by his spirit in the church, that all of the gifts that are given are essential and necessary for the church to accomplish the mission that Jesus Christ has left for us. And what is our mission? It is to seek and to save the lost. And so 
You are to use all the gifts that God has given you individually so that corporately we can be about the master's business. That is, we can be reaching a lost world. So Paul ends 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on this note in verse 31. He said, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. One translation uses the word best there, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, they have been bickering and arguing over spiritual gifts. And, and they, were, they were sitting back and saying, you know what? My gift is more important than your gift. Or we can't do church without your gift, but we could probably get along without your gift. And, and they were fighting over these spiritual gifts. And here Paul ends the chapter by saying, no, I want you to earnestly desire the greater gift. And let me tell you something, church. This is not a command that he's giving them. No, it is a rebuke. He is rebuking them. You're squabbling over spiritual gifts and, and fighting over fleshly things because you don't get it. You don't understand what these gifts are given for. And, and then he goes on and explains in the latter portion of that verse, 31. He said, so I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And the most excellent way is the way of the Spirit. And friend, it is the way of love. Because love is the foundation. You know, in, in, in churches today... People are arguing, what is the most important ingredient in having a successful church? Some say it's doctrine. Well, let me tell you, we can't do church without doctrine. Some say it's, it's truth and preaching the truth. I would agree that the truth is important. Others say it's being relevant to your society. I, I think that's important. Others say, well, it, it's got to be all about music. That, that's what it's important. Or it's got to be about programs. That's important. But really, when you step back and ask the question, what is the priority of the church? What should be the main motivation in all of the things that we do? Well, friend, let me tell you, you can't read the New Testament and then especially camp out here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 without coming away with the conclusion that the priority of the church is love. We are to love like God loves. We are to love each other with the love of God. We are to love the world with the love of God. Love is supreme. And if you don't believe that, just listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you. What is it? Love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? <laughs> Man, he gave us everything. He gave his own life for us. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And what is the gauge there? It is the love that you have one for another. So you read that verse and you ask yourself the question, how does God want to market his church? How does God want to grow his church? How does God want to build his church? Well, it's through love. He, he wants us to love with his kind of love. And let me tell you, Jesus had this love that was magnetic. People were drawn to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loved them. He really cared about them. And so if we want to have a church that is dynamic, filled with the power of God, reaching people and growing, we've got to have love as our priority. 
Because when someone who is unsaved and they don't know God, they don't know God's power, when they walk into this room and they see our love and they experience the love of God through us as channels, it's something they want because they can't get it anywhere else. You can't buy this at Walmart. Dillard's doesn't have it for sale. It's not on the shelf at Sam's. The world doesn't offer us the love of God. It is only found through a personal relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ. And we are to witness this kind of love. Now, let me talk to you about this word love that, that Paul is using here. In Paul's day, there were three Greek words that described love. For us, when we say love, we just say love, and it can mean a variety of things. They had specific words describing aspects of love. For example, one of the words in the Greek language for love is eros. It, that kind of sounds like what it comes from. It's an erotic kind of love. It's a sexual kind of love. The word eros does not appear in our New Testament. So that's not the word that Paul is talking about there. There is another Greek word, phileo. It's a family kind of love, a love that you'd have for your brother or your sister, your cousins. I told the first service yesterday morning I had to get up early and drive to Plano, Texas. Uh, 23 years ago, I left Plano to come and pastor here, uh, but there was a man in my church in Plano that uh, he, was, he, was about, he was older than my dad, but he and I became friends. We were golfing buddies, and he told me that when he died... He wanted me to come back and do his funeral. <laughs> this past week, Jackie Fudge died. And so the family called me and asked me to, to come and, and do his funeral. And so I, I drove to Plano yesterday, did a funeral yesterday afternoon, and then, and then drove back from Plano. But, but here's the thing I, I want to get to. When, when I was in that funeral home, I not only pastored Jackie and Helen Fudge, but I pastored their two kids and their husbands and their kids. And it's been 23 years since I've seen some of these people. And you change in 23 years, okay? And so they were coming up to me and saying, do you remember me? You know who I am? And I would say, well, you take that mask off your face and I might remember you, you know? And two or three of them said, you've changed. You don't look the same. And I said, well, what about me is different? They said, your hair <laughs> or your lack of it. Yeah. But here's the point I want to make. That, that chapel of that funeral home was filled with, it was a huge family. They only had two kids, but man, they had a ton of ki grandkids and great-grandkids. And you know what? I could just feel the love they had for each other. There is a special bond between brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and, and parents and kids. It's this word phileo. It means this kind of family love. And I know you guys, y'all just... Well, maybe not so much right now. But you will have this kind of phileo love later in life. Right, guys? I mean, as you get over, older and you, you quit fighting with each other, you, you really love each other. Paul could have used that word phileo here to describe this love, but that's not the word he used. He used a special word. In fact, it is a word that originated in the New Testament. It is agape love. It's God's kind of love. It is a sacrificial, selfish love. It is an active, giving love. It's a John 3, 16 kind of love. For God so 
loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Somebody has said the difference between agape and eros is the difference between love and lust. Love can't wait to give, but lust can't wait to get. Now let me zero in and talk about the love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And before I get to the instruction Paul gave, let me give you a little story. A preacher was preaching in a, in a, a church. He, he wasn't the pastor of the church. He was there visiting. And after he preached, this lady came up to him to talk to him. She had a small girl with her, which was her daughter. But she was covered with scars and had bandages still on her body. And she told him the story. Several months before, her house caught on fire and two-thirds of her body was severely burned. And she had to spend months in the hospital. And while she was in the hospital, her husband came in one day and he said to her, I can't love you like this anymore. And he walked out the door, he divorced her, and he married somebody else. And through that story, here's what this preacher said. Human love says, as long as you can stimulate me, as long as I can be proud of you, as long as you're beautiful, I can love you. But if you change, my love for you is going to change. You know what? As, as, as hard as that is, that's the way it is in this world. That's the way a lot of humans are. As long as you're given to me, and as long as you act like and look like, I want you to act like and look like, I'm going to love you. But if one thing changes and you're not giving me what I want or what I need, I'm not going to love you anymore. You're sitting there looking stunned. I mean, that's the world's kind of love, is it not? We see that every day of our lives. Can I tell you something? That is not the love of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That is not God's love. It's not a love that says, what can you give me or what can you do for me? It is a love that says, let me show you how much I love you. Let me give you of myself. Let me give you God's love. And so as that is a basis, let's look very quickly at Paul's three instructions. Here's what Paul says. Number one, without love, I accomplish nothing that is beneficial or nothing that is helpful. Without God's love... I can accomplish nothing that is beneficial. He says this in verse number one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I have become like sounding brass or like this clanging cymbal. Now, in the Corinthian church, th there was great esteem placed on vocal gifts. Uh, that's what Paul was referring to when he, when he says here in this verse, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels. He was probably referring to some of the, the great orators that were in Corinth, those who loved to stand, and they were very persuasive with their speech. They waxed eloquently. Or he could have been referring to those who believed that the gift of speaking in tongues was priority and more important than any of the other gifts. But the point that he's making here is this. If I have these great gifts of speaking and I can stand in front of an audience and just woo them and sway them through my words, but it does not flow out of a spirit-filled heart of love, it accomplishes nothing. 
I could be the best orator this world has ever seen, but if there's no love in my heart, it's doing no good. Because he goes on to say, words without love, words not spoken out of a heart of God's love for others really accomplishes zero. In fact, specifically, he says, I am only like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just, I'm a lot of babble. I'm a lot of noise that's doing no good. Now, some scholars believe that, uh, that this could have been a reference to the pagans who worshipped at the altar of Aphrodites, the goddess of love. They made a whole lot of noise, but it was doing no good to anyone. And then he makes this reference of clanging cymbals. It's, it's like a clanging cymbal. Now, we, we've got some cymbals up on our stage. And, man, I love it when the band is cranking and they're really grooving. They're in this groove and you hear the cymbal clang. And, man, it just comes in at the right time and you hear that, that clang of the cymbal. It's awesome, isn't it? Kind of, man, man wow. But that cymbal's a wow factor. You know what? Without the rest of the band... If all you have is a clanging cymbal, the wow factor leaves real quick. And if you have somebody that all, all they're doing is, is clanging a cymbal in your ear, it's going to get real irritating pretty quick, isn't it? And after a few minutes of just hearing that clang of that cymbal, you're going to say, stop it! Or you're going to grab it and throw it down. Why? Because it's irritating. I've wondered, thinking about this, how many, how many words that are spoken from husbands to wives is nothing but clanging cymbals? Or I could flip it around, how many words of wives to husbands nothing but just a clanging cymbal? Or what about words that parents speak to their kids, nothing but clanging cymbals? What about the, the words that a preacher preaches to his congregation on, on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights? How, how many times have they just been words of clanging cymbals? How many times have Sunday school teachers stood before their classrooms and all they have done is clang cymbals into the ears of their listeners? Why? Because it hasn't come out of a heart of love. That's what Paul is saying. If, if you're speaking... And it's not motivated by my love. It's not motivated by love for the listeners. It does them no good. It accomplishes a great big zero. I, I realize that every Sunday morning when I come in here to preach, and, and so I'll pray a whisper of prayer down the hallway. Lord, I pray that they see my heart this morning, and I pray that they know that I love them. Even though I might be preaching something that, that's very frank and hard, Lord, help them to see my heart, that it's, it's, it's out of a heart of love that these words come. Why? Because without love, what is it? It's nothing. Number two, he says, without love, I am nothing significant. Without love, I personally am nothing significant. Look at verse number two. And though I have the gift of prophecy, that's a big gift right there, man. Not many people have this gift Okay, though I have the gift of prophecy, and even though I can understand all mysteries, that, that's probably referring to the gift of wisdom, and all knowledge, and though I have, get this, all faith, so that I could speak and remove mountains, but I don't have love, what am I? 
I'm nothing. And again, this was, was spoken to a church that put their credence in the spiritual gifts. And they ranked these gifts. And the gifts that are listed here, man, they were those high-ranking gifts. Man, if you had those gifts, you, you, were, you were large and in charge. And everybody's looking at you because you were something special because you had these big gifts. And if you had the big gift, you were a big man. I hate to say big woman because you would take that out of context. <laughs> Be strutting around thinking you're something. Ooh. I got the gift of prophecy. How about you? Think about that. You know, you know what God's doing up on his throne? He's shaking his head. He's kind of smirking. I don't know if he's laughing or not, but he's thinking, dude, man, you don't get it. Because what, what is all this? This is selfishness. This is pride he's talking about. You, you think you're something on a stick. No. You might be a piece of barbecue on the stick, but <laughs> no, you're nothing. Without love... Without love, get this, listen to me, without love, you're nothing. And then number three, without love, I gain nothing important. Without love, I gain nothing important. Verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And, and this really has to do with the rewards and the benefits that come to me when I do things for other people. And so he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Think about this. This would be incredible. This would be you taking 100% of your hard-earned money. You get your paycheck, you cash your paycheck, and then you give all of that money, 100% of it, to feed poor people. What an act of sacrifice. You know, I'd have to stand back and say, wow, man. What a giving spirit you have. Paul is saying, well, what is the motivation behind that giving spirit? You know, people know. People know. People know, people know why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're, if you're giving somebody a benevolent gift, they know the motivation that that gift comes from. They know. We have several benevolent ministries here at our church, and I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for what you do. Uh, every Monday we have uh, food bank distribution. We'll have 50, 60 families come through here uh, representing really thousands of people throughout the year that, that we assist and give food to. Used to, they would come through the building and, and we'd give them a, a package of food. They could write out a prayer request. We would have prayer with them. Because of COVID-19, we can't do that anymore. And so they drive through and we take the food out to them. But we still do it out of a heart of love. And let me tell you, they know. They know what motivation you have when you give them that food. Another benevolent ministry is the, the ministry down at Hope Campus. And Johnny's got a team of people who go down there a couple of, of times a month and, and they, they feed homeless people. And Johnny, you, we've talked about this. They know the motivation from your heart as you're serving food to them. People know. I'm, I'm thankful that we have a congregation who really cares about people because you know what? People know. They can tell what your motivation is. And then he goes on to use this other, other illustration. And though I give my body to be burned. 
You, you know what? That, that would be the ultimate act of sacrifice or, or worship to, to offer your body. Really, probably what he's referring to is the gift of martyrdom. That's where you give your life sacrificially for the Lord and for your faith. Did you know that that is the only spiritual gift you can just use one time? Come on, think about it. You're one and done, you know? And, and there, is, there is evidence, there's documentation that, that in the early days, Christians actually sought out this kind of martyrdom as a way of becoming famous or gaining some extra heavenly reward. But church, listen to me. If that's why you do what you do for God and for his people, sorry. Because it ain't cutting the mustard. There is no benefit, there is no reward, there is no profit that is gained when we minister without a spirit-filled heart of love, both for God and for others. It doesn't matter what you give or what you do. If it's not motivated by love, it's nothing. And people know. Back in the summer of 2003, a guy by the name of David Timothy uh, lived in Dallas. He, he decided that, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop thinking about this, and I'm actually going to do it. Uh, he grew up a uh, very poor family. They were not homeless, but he said, I can remember days going without having a meal. And so he really had a heart to, to feed homeless people who were hungry. And so back in 2003, he, he saved up enough money to buy an old van that had 265,000 miles on it. it. It was about used up. But he named it the Soup Mobile and painted that on the side of it, the Soup Mobile. And he would go around to area restaurants and, and grocery stores, and he would get their, their, their food that was either left over they were going to dispose of. And he took all of that, and he would spend 60 to 70 hours a week preparing that food and taking it to different places in downtown Dallas and feeding homeless people. And in a given month, he would feed about 30,000 people. And they would see him coming in his soup mobile, the soup man, that's what they called him. Here's what one homeless woman said. He does things for us that other people would not do. Like he brings us food and clothes and water and juice and cakes and dog food and, and blankets. And when he finds out that one of our kids is having a birthday, somehow he finds gifts for them and brings them gifts. Another homeless man said this, and I'm going to read it as he spoke it. He don't have to come out here, but he come out here... Because he got God in him. Amen. And that's it. He's got God in him. You know what? More than anything else, that's what I want for you. That people would look at your life and say, wow, they've got God in them. And they would see that through your love and through your actions. Ronnie, I'd really like a church full of people with God in them. You know what? There'd be no restrictions on us whatsoever. And we would be winning people to Jesus Christ and growing leaps and bounds because the world is hungry for the kind of love God has given to us. So don't be stingy with God's love. You be the channel that releases God's love to those who need it. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and, and I pray on behalf of those who are in this room or listening to me online who have never given their heart to you. They've never experienced the love of God. I pray that today they would feel your love, sense your love, know your love, that they would accept you as their Lord and Savior, that they would A, admit they're a sinner, B, believe that you can save them, and C, confess you as Lord of their life. And I pray, dear Lord, that, that you would change their life and give them the love of God. And for the rest of us who are believers, I, I pray, dear Lord, that we would get all the debris out of our life and our hearts and that we would be flooded with the love of God and that we would regularly share that love with those that we come in contact with. Lord, help that kind of love to start in our own homes, in our marriages, in our families, with our kids. Help it to spread out to our workplaces and our schools and our neighborhood. Help it, dear Lord, just to abound in this church. Help love to be the motivating factor in all that we do. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And I pray that we would give that love to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Hey, I love you. Go out and share the love of God. If you need to talk to a pastor, uh, we're available after the service or during the week. If you're online and you need to talk to a pastor, give us a call. Come by and see us. Love to talk to you. When you leave the room this morning, don't forget to, uh, number one, put your mask back on. Uh, beginning tomorrow in Fort Smith, all throughout Arkansas, we're under that mandatory mask regulation. Uh, as we have read and reread uh, the exemptions for that and understand that new decree or law, we do believe that we're okay as a church when you come in and sit down in your own pew with your family, you can remove your mask. But anytime you're walking down the halls or you're leaving, going to the restroom, you need to be wearing your mask, okay? So continue to do that. Uh, when you walk out the doors, don't forget to drop your offering in one of those offering boxes. Tune back in tonight at 6 o'clock, Facebook Live. Brother Johnny and Little Billy are going to be online. I, I heard Little Billy, it's a humdinger tonight, so can't wait to watch that. 6 o'clock, Nathan's going to be on Instagram Live with a message for our teenagers. And then at 6.30, Facebook Live, we're going to have an adult Bible study lesson. It's going to be taught by Brother Paul Hamilton. On Wednesday night, we're going to be online again. Brother Devin is going to be uh, sharing with us and, and preaching to us. So, so be sure and tune into that. I don't know about you, but I'm just I'm tired of all this. <laughs> I, I can do nothing about it, but I'm just I'm worn out. And I'm ready for it to end. So let's pray that, you know, that vaccine they're working on actually works and, uh, and we can get through this and over this. Until then, we're just going to struggle like everybody else does and we're going to do the right thing. Uh, I, I've diagrammed our progression back into normality and it has been postponed because of some things that have occurred. But the next thing that we're going to begin doing on Sunday mornings when we have live church is we're going to reopen the kids' zone, and Brother Johnny's going to go back to teaching our kids. Uh, we're working it out where we can have social distancing in there with the kids. We can have more workers. Uh, we're not going to throw candy out to them anymore. It's going to be pre-bagged with people wearing gloves. And, and, you know, we're just trying to take care of everything. Uh, we don't know the specific date of when we're going to do that. It's probably going to be the first part of August, okay? Then the next thing that we're going to phase back in 
will be we worship probably not in the first service but in the second service we're trying to work out the details of of how we're going to accomplish that so those things are on the horizon don't don't give up don't give in let's stay at the task we're going to work through this amen oh that was convincing yeah it is going to be okay. I can't wait to push the play button on our It's Our Turn campaign. Uh, the work continues out there. Uh, this past week, they started drilling piers uh, that our building is going to set on. I think, Ronnie, you texted me, how deep are those piers? They, some of them are 12 feet deep. Others go as far as 40 feet deep, all right? Uh, but it's probably going to take another week for the piers, and then they're going to lay a foundation. And the building is being built. Uh, I want the It's Our Turn campaign to kick back in so that we can start giving <laughs> to pay for this building that is being built. But, but do pray about all that. I know God is working. God is going to bless. Continue to pray for those in our church who need prayer. Uh, Brother Ray was actually here first service. First time he's been back in, in uh, several months. Continue to pray for him. Pray for Charlie Wagner. Charlie's going to have to go back and have more chemo done. Pray for him. Pray for Ron Rogers. A couple of times a week, Ron travels to uh, Little Rock for his rehab. Uh, he is making improvements, but continue to lift up Ron and Sandy. And then let's pray for each other, okay? I love you. Our staff loves you. Most of all, God loves you. So go share that love. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.